It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a-shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove. Beer showers. It's just the very best time for an Ole Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. Brian Scott Rippey coming up here shortly for a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. It's been a while, almost a month, and so much to talk about. Football, basketball recruiting, everything in between. But before we get to it, let me tell you about my bookie. Winning season has returned at my bookie, and winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means survivor, super contests, and squares. At MyBookie, winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your team trounce their rivals. Rejoice! It's time to celebrate the NFL season. Invest in your intuition. Use promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting at MyBookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Use promo code TOC and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit. OMSpirit.com. An affiliate of 247 Sports. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions on iTunes. When you do, 
Doesn't matter what you say. Don't care. As long as it's a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. It's a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. Been about a month since our last mailbag here on Talk of Champions. A lot's happened. Some football stuff to discuss. So we're going to get to it. Rippy, what's up, man? How you doing? Good. Good. I, uh, I, I'm in a weird place right now. I got back into like, I got the, I had this job for two weeks, right? And I get into this rhythm. I'm like, you know what? I like going to the office every day. It gives you a sense of accomplishment. And then because of COVID protocols, I'm now working from home. Like I've done for my entire professional career after just two weeks. So, uh, nothing's changed really. Welcome back to the grind, man. Yeah, pretty much. I'm walking around in my underwear with a laptop all day. It feels right. I might go find an empty stadium or a locker room around here and work from there uh, and feel real at home. Yeah, yeah. You're back in it. You're back with the rest of us. It's tough. It's tough right now. But there is football stuff happening. Before we jump to the mailbag, you touched on some storylines you're paying attention to heading into week three of fall camp. There was no media availability on Monday, we get Tuesday, we get Friday. That probably has something to do with the social justice marches that the team did on, what, Friday, Saturday? They canceled practice. They didn't boycott practice. They just didn't have practice. The coaches were on the same page with these guys. But anyway, I would say that probably has something to do with why we're not talking to them yet. So going into week three, is that a part of your conversation? Or... Are you looking elsewhere for storylines? Uh, elsewhere. I mean, I kind of just left that alone. I mean, it is what it is. It's a good thing that players are expressing their voices and all of that. I just didn't feel like I had much to add to it because I wasn't at the protest. I wasn't there. We didn't really get to talk to anyone besides a statement. I just didn't feel like I could add, add much to what was already said publicly by the players in their statement. Um, but as far as like the storyline thing, I went with, one of the things I was talking about, and honestly, I was as we record this, I was banking on an, a, a Monday availability so we would kind of know. But then after I hit publish, naturally, it got switched to Tuesday. But is, is the messaging this week, as far as it pertains to quarterback, interesting to you? Because I think reading the tea leaves and talking to folks, you can kind of probably see where this might end up heading. But like last week after the scrimmage, he says, he being Kiffin, Matt played really well. John Rice was up and down. And it was kind of really the first real tangible tidbit you got of, you know, an early lead or where this could be heading or just really tangible anything. I just think after one week where you kind of tip your hand a little bit, I guess, for the lack of a better phrase, the messaging the week after that would be fascinating. Do they kind of reel that back or they continue to say that Corral's doing well? And just kind of, you know, say nothing, I guess, on Plumby or whatever. I'm just curious as to what they say about it after a week where they kind of tip their hand. What do you want from a quarterback? That's the question you have to ask yourself. If it's only about passing, Matt Corral is your guy. Scrimmage stats. Matt Corral, 18 of 24, 226 yards. Not bad. That'll hunt. That'll hunt. Yeah, not too bad. John Rice Plumley, 10 of 18, 140 yards. But 100 more yards on the ground, 240 total yards, and 10 completions for 140 yards. That's a 14 yards per completion average. So let's not pretend like that's not pretty darn good. 240 yards total, that's nothing to sneeze at. So what do you want in a quarterback? Do you want a passer? Or do you accept that John Rice Plumley is not going to be the accomplished passer, 
that maybe Matt Corral would otherwise be, does not have that same type of ceiling, but what he brings you with his legs not only offsets, but makes him even better, even more of a threat in a Lane Kiffin offense. We don't know, because we haven't gotten to see them, and we don't know what a Lane Kiffin offense at Ole Miss is going to look like yet. I mean, that's what this whole debate's come down to the whole time. Is like you, I think you, I mean, I think you kind of crystallized it, I guess, better than than most people talking about it have. What do you want in the quarterback? And that's the decision that they have to make. And you know, it may be even kind of building off it beyond that. It's it really like the X factor here is John Rice Plumley's legs. How much value do you put in that? And I guess that's a different way of saying what do you want in it. But like. How much are you willing to live with the passing inaccuracies and limitations from him because of his feet? And at what point does that outweigh Matt Corral's arm talent? Because I was talking to someone about this yesterday. People, I think, were just very angry in general at the way the offense last year. When I say people, I mean fans. And, you know, any if you said really anything after as, – as sluggish as the first three games were, if you and once Plumley got inserted, it felt like if you said anything about how Corral kind of got of a raw deal, people got very upset about that. And I just never understood that because if, you, if you're playing this straight and you li- look at this scenario objectively, like the, the difference in armed talent is drastic. Is that fair or is that too strong? It might be a little strong, but I get where you're going. I mean, I just, I mean, if you look at it and the way they throw the ball and just the, the throws Corral sometimes makes in practice, at least from the limited piece we get to see, I just think it's drastic. It doesn't mean that, like, I guess I'm not trying to say that Plumlee couldn't be a serviceable 60%, 59% completion percentage quarterback. I just think there's certain throws, at least to this point, he hasn't shown he has much of a prayer of making that. Corral, to his credit, sometimes he had a couple of throws where we were like, whoa. Like can kind of see what people saw in him coming out of high school. It's where you don't really see that plumbly arm wise. You see that more of holy shit, this kid's fast. All right, storyline number two. My second storyline. Well, I guess it was the third, but same different. Tavius Robinson. I mean, talk about the best news you could have gotten. I wrote that it was the most impactful thing to happen in camp, and may just be the most impactful thing to happen in all of preseason practice for Ole Miss. I don't think that's too strong a language when you talk about what they need on the defensive line, the lack of depth. I mean, put into context whatever his stats, 16 sacks, whatever, at the Canadian University last year, I'm not going to pretend to tell you what level and quality of football that is. But another body in his presence alone, I think is huge for them. No doubt about it. He's eligible to play. And he gives you a pass-rushing threat, I guess, in theory. We don't really know what he is. We haven't seen him. But I would doubt they'd sign the kid, go get him from Canada, if they didn't expect him to make some type of impact. So, yeah, he adds something to your team as far as a pass rusher. Listed as a linebacker, but I think we're more talking about the stand-up defensive end in a multiple 4-3. So, effectively, he's a DN linebacker. He'll probably put his hand in the dirt, too. He's a big dude, and he gives you another body. So, that's a definite important development and storyline to follow moving forward as far as how he fits into the Ole Miss defense. All right, storyline number three before we jump to the mailbag. Offensive line again. Uh, you had Caleb Warren come out with a broken hand, and it's not so much the absence of Caleb Warren being any sort of like death knell or anything. I just think it's going to kind of inadvertently show like how they plan to manage the depth. Basically, the way I framed it is what? A good SEC offensive line has seven or eight guys game ready. And game ready means you really actually trust most of them pretty good 
to come in and be a productive offensive lineman, right? Like that's fair seven or eight. Well, what does that look like now? Because you have Caleb Warren out who is splitting first-team reps at guard. Your presumable first-team guards now are Jeremy James and Jalen Cunningham. You know, you mentioned we talked about yesterday on the phone, Carter Colquitt kind of being the next guy that can play tackle and guard. But with that being the case, let's just say he's not ready for week one. Who is your seven and who is your eight? You may not need it that week, but even with Warren in there, it's kind of interesting. Like, who is the next guy? And I don't I didn't answer that because I don't know the answer yet. I don't think we know. But do you have a guess? No, but that kind of happens with any team. The minute you start having injuries, this is what the questions become. So I'm not too concerned about it. Here's my deal. The opener isn't until September 26th. To break your hand, if you're going to do it, would be to break it now. And that way you can potentially be ready. And I don't think he's going to be a guy that they're expecting to play every single step to begin with. If he can be healthy enough to provide a reserve role, that's all you really need him for. And quite frankly... This offensive line, I think, is going to be a sneaky strength. I could be completely wrong, but I have faith in Royce Newman. I have complete faith in Nick Broker. And Ben Brown at center, I think, is an all-league caliber player. So guard being the position on the offensive line in which you can break in new starters most easily, I think Jalen Cunningham will be fine. I think Jeremy James, Carter Colquitt, whoever it might be, Caleb Warren when he's healthy, I think any of those guys will be fine. The question, of course, becomes if you start to have injuries, what happens to the depth? And that's when the Eli Johnson departure becomes a thing. Yeah, you might not love Eli Johnson as a player, but as far as depth, he mattered. And that's an important storyline moving forward. Okay, we've delayed enough. It's time for the mailbag. Going to open up the Modern Woman mailbag after we hear from first Modern Woman and then BNA Bank. This is Talk of Champions. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. It's mailbag time. Mail time. The mail's here. You've got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up. Movies are great. Opening up the Modern Woman mailbag here on Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Brian Scott Rippey. You already know that. Denny at D underscore Dan's three gets us started. If Elijah Moore does not fake piss in the end zone and almost ends up winning the 2019 Egg Bowl. First of all, that play alone did not lose them the Egg Bowl. I hate that everybody puts everything on that. The entire loss on Elijah Moore. That's not what happened. But anyway, 
They were lucky to be down there with that fourth and 26 play. It was lost well before that. They just didn't capitalize on a miracle, basically. Yeah, let's just stop pinning everything on Elijah Moore. But anyway, Denny, does Matt Luke get another year plus another due to COVID? My opinion is yes, which is horrifying to even think about or say out loud. I think he absolutely gets another year if they pull out the Egg Bowl or if they don't lose it in complete embarrassing fashion. I don't think he gets another year with COVID, only because I don't think that there would have been um, any enthusiasm whatsoever had they lost even more. But I could be completely wrong in that, considering that I don't know if anybody's going to be making any moves with COVID and knowing that all of these universities are cash-strapped. But yes, certainly, had they won the Egg Bowl, he was going to get another year. But let me just give you one thing to think about with Matt Luke. Yes, he was bad. Yes, it didn't go well. It was a terrible experiment. It should have never happened to begin with. But... His last recruiting class, John Rice Plumley, Jerry Ely, all those guys, that class, really, really strong, and it's deep. And these offensive linemen we're talking about, Caleb Warren, Jeremy James, Carter Colquitt, all of these guys are Matt Luke guys. So, yes, you can dog Matt Luke if you want to, but the recruiting strategy, it was working. And that's the whole crux of Matt Luke's existence as head coach at Ole Miss, right? I mean, you knew from the day that he got hired that – he was going to have to win at a level, I mean, kind of an unfair level to expect him to win at to kind of get people to buy in after what his predecessor did and how quickly that crashed and burned. And then to couple that, the time it was going to take him to even be able to do that, he was just never going to be afforded that amount of time. Now, that is not sure, Matt Luke, of responsibility of what happened in some of the just disastrous in-game scenarios, the indecision, and just not really having a stamp on your program. But that being said, and on the recruiting front, you kind of started to see things turn, but you got to supplement that with the results on the field. That didn't happen. To answer this guy's question, I tend to agree with his line of thinking. I think if they win the game, he definitely gets another year. That part's obvious. I think he gets another one because of COVID. Because how do you put stock in anything this year? And what in the world is the coaching carousel going to look like this fall or winter anyway? Yeah, I can't really have it both ways. If I don't think that any move is going to happen as far as coaches are concerned because of COVID, I can't say, well, there'd be no enthusiasm. Almost would make a move. No, in this environment, almost being cash-strapped as it is, yeah, I'm starting to come around to it. I can't talk out of both sides of my mouth with this. If Matt Luke wins that Egg Bowl, gets another yes. year. Yeah. Long he, story short. Yeah. He's your head coach for two years. Tell Elijah Moore thanks. Yeah. Elijah Moore because he hiked his leg, which was, which was a submission for the flag. I think it came from our friend Bunky Perkins. I can't verify that one way or the other, but that was a submission. A lot happened because of Elijah Moore. First, Matt Luke got fired. Secondly, Joe Moorhead got an extension only to be fired, and then Mike Leach comes in. Because Mississippi State fans, after that win, were disappointed after the bowl loss because they performed so poorly. So think about everything that happened. It was like the butterfly effect of Mississippi football. All because Elijah Moore hiked his leg. So yes, I've come around to it. In the matter of a conversation, Matt Luke would have been the head coach for two more years. And Clark Downing at Ann Clark D. Since there will probably not be as many bowl games this year, do you think the SEC should allow sponsorships for regular season games throughout the season Kids could get swag bags, and SEC could get money. Um, I mean, I like the idea. I couldn't begin to tell you whether that's allowed or not. But sure, why not? I'm for it. I'm for it. When Ole Miss was ineligible to play in, in a bowl because of its NCAA investigation and the penalties, it brought in some arcade games and different stuff into 
the indoor practice facility to allow for the kids to get an experience. So yes, I like the idea in theory. It's not going to happen. Yes, the SEC could make some money, but the bottom line is this. This year is going to be so funky for a number of reasons. Yes, there won't be a bowl system, really. There will still be a playoff system. But it's all about starting and finishing. Just getting the games in. Because these schools need the money from the games. If they get that, it's a success. Even if they only get 6 of 10, it's probably a win for them. So anything else, while I like the idea, it's all about survival. It's just a matter of, can we get through it? Can we get enough to stay afloat? And if they can do that, if they can play some games, not have any stoppages, then they've already succeeded. Anything else? I mean, yeah, that's just icing on the cake, I guess. If we are having a bowl conversation about bowls and who gets in and who doesn't, then things have been a remote, mo- or at least remotely a success. Kenneth Collins at RebelFan68. If Ben Brown were to unfortunately go down for any time, who's the backup center and how would that make the rest of the line look? Wasn't it Warren? You're better equipped to answer this to me, but who? there was another guy that his name is escaping right now that was taking reps at center as well. I want to say it was Warren, but I don't want to also sound like an idiot. It was either Warren or Jeremy James, one of those two. But I, if, think, you're, I think you're right. I think yeah. it was James. If Ben Brown went down, it would be really bad. It's like losing Sam Williams on defense. There's no obvious guy to just replace him. Now what would happen is Roy Snubin would still be at right tackle. Nick Broker would still be at left tackle. One of Caleb Bourne or Jeremy James at center, and then Jalen Cunningham and the other one, Caleb Warner, Jeremy James, at left guard. That's how the offensive line would shake out. But behind them, who knows? <laughs> who knows what the depth would be? I'm not sure where this gentleman still falls on the depth chart these days, but I, for whatever weird reason, remember writing a practice notebook last year where Bryce Ramsey snapped footballs. There we go, Bryce Ramsey, Hamilton Hall. That's a name for you. Now, I don't know if Hamilton Hall is actually playing or practicing all that much, but I've seen him in practice photos, so he's getting some reps. That's something. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's – that would be my guess. I throw Bryce Ramsey out there because I'm about 90% sure, which is about as good as you're going to get on me in anything as it pertains in life, that I once saw Bryce Ramsey hike a football between his legs. Boom. Bringing you the hard stuff, the hard-hitting stuff. In a talk of champions mailbag. This is what you sign up for. This is why you listen for this amazing, amazing analysis from both me and Brian Scott Rippey. John Hardman at HMAN478. So after working from home for six plus months, I'm starting to hate it. Welcome to the rest of us. <laughs> Any recommendations to make working from home fun besides watching TV while working? Also, what hobbies have you picked up during COVID? Swearing, 12-packs instead of Sixers, and golf. Even though I already had golf, but I played a bunch more. Golf is the hobby I picked up. We've been through this before, but I bought a golf cart very early in COVID. I was kind of losing my mind being stuck up at home. So I bought a golf cart. I live across the street from a golf course. I drive over and I play golf. Now, I haven't gotten that much better, but hey, Rippy's played with me. Guess what happened the other day, Rippy? I closed out my round with a true birdie on nine. You've been on this course before. I was pumped. 
Hell yeah, hard hole too, and that kind of stuff keeps you coming back. That's yes. like the that's how golf gets you in its addicting web. You hit a couple of good shots, particularly if it comes at the end of a round, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm back next time. Big win for golf, honestly. If there's any sort of quote unquote winner in the pandemic, the professional tours have gone on pretty much uninterrupted since they started back, and it's like the greatest socially distant sport of all time if you actually try and do it the right way, and you go outside and kill five hours with your friends and enjoy the weather. Go golf. Go golf or go to the beach. That's why I hate all those pictures True. of crowded beaches. The beach is the perfect place to go if you're trying to not lose your mind in quarantine. You can go to the beach. You can socially distance with your family. I've been out there. It works. And you can go back to the condo. You can cook there. You can eat there. You could order carryout from all those places you love in these beach cities. Those are the two things. Big winners, beach and golf. That's the hobby. Now, oh, also, when I got my birdie, I was playing with my youngest, my four-year-old daughter, Riley. She was with me. And she was the only person there to celebrate. And I want to tell you that I got the same satisfaction had I made this birdie in front of you with my four-year-old daughter. It, it wasn't the same. She kind of gave me the half-hearted like pound and then um, from Big Hero 6, the blah, 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 blah. And that was it. That was it. Meanwhile, I'm going nuts. I'm like, yes! Yes! Because birdies don't come around for Ben all that often. So to get one, a true birdie. And when... When you're with your friends, you get to start counting their strokes and get the whole two hands going and see how many behind they are. Exactly. And I hit a really good putt. And when I hit the putt, I said, get in there. And then I kind of pointed at it. And then it went in and I fist pumped. <laughs> but my four-year-old didn't know what was going on. She was putting on the green with me. And I had nobody there to celebrate. So I'm looking around going, oh, God, this is, this is just the worst. Um, okay, but John, anyway, to make things fun, coming from experience... Because I've got two daughters. I love them dearly. I've been with my four-year-old pretty much every single day. My oldest, she's been going back to school, but she was around pretty much every single day. My wife has gone back to school. She had been home for six years with the kids, raising them. While all of this is going on, I had everybody in my house. So to keep my sanity in check, what I did, and I hate exercise. I mean, look at me. I hate exercise. But what I did... I got my bike out and I went riding on some trails. And I really enjoyed it, but it got way too hot to be riding on the trails. How can I take that and bring it inside so I don't just drive myself crazy and I can realistically do it every single day and maintain sanity? I bought a Peloton. I am not one of those people that says, oh, go buy a Peloton. But it works for me because I get on there for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, and I just zone out. Sometimes I'll just go riding on the streets of Paris. And for some reason, that has worked for me. So whatever that is for you, find that. Nick Suss has talked about how he walked a marathon in his house. Those are the things you have to do. Also, video games. I can give you a lot of recommendations for video games. I'm currently replaying Spider-Man because Spider-Man is the greatest superhero of all time. And also because that game is great. So there are many things you can do. The bottom line is nothing, nothing, nothing is going to replace the ability to go out and do what you want to do. I want to go back to the movies. You know how much I miss going to the movies? That's something that I didn't realize how much I enjoyed it until it was taken away from me. So welcome to the rest of us, John. We're all struggling together. Eddie, at Eddie underscore Jackson. You mentioned T. Tisdale in a podcast last week. Oh, thanks for listening. It's had me thinking. He's been a contributor. What does he need to do to take the next step? Seems to have all the tools, size, speed, athleticism, that is all. 
make more plays in the backfield, more tackles for loss, pressures, quarterback sacks. I love the idea of playing him at defensive end because you can take advantage of that athleticism and get into the backfield, make tackles for loss. Yeah, you. that was a great answer. I, I really don't know how much I can add on that. I guess the one thing I will throw into the mix as it pertains to that is, you know, when, whenever someone asks that, because is Tisdale a senior or a junior? I can't remember off the top of my head. Senior. Yeah, so he's a senior. And so, it, like, whenever those questions get asked, like, at least in my mind, I think the person asking it is, I guess, maybe implying why didn't it happen sooner. And some of those reasons that you hit on are probably reasons for that. But also, like, the, the, the depth and, like, the – the guys on the depth chart in front of him are now simply gone. And I think that's a product of it too, right? Like he was inside for a while. So like the Josiah Coatney's, I guess Benito Jones, if you really want to count it, of the world are gone. And so like now this is kind of his time to be the guy. And it just kind of happens that way sometimes. And so, you know, what else needs to happen in some ways? It's not really a lot. Like he just, now he's getting the snaps. Scott Pilant at Scott Pilant. If you were to rework NCAA 14, what would you change or add to the dynasty mode? I would like to see a more in-depth coaching carousel in which you hire your own assistants. Thoughts. Definitely want to be able to hire your own assistants. But my whole thing, back then it was hard, and I'm kind of spoiled now with NBA 2K, not so much Madden. It's infuriating with Madden because they should have the best my player mode out there. Immersion is so important. So if I create a player or I create a coach, give me cutscenes. Give me goals to work towards. If I achieve a certain thing in my career, be it in NCAA 14 or in any game that has a my career mode, my dynasty mode kind of thing, be able to have a cutscene that rewards you for that. Hold press conferences. Imagine if NCAA 14, if you could have a press conference after a game. Or you remember the game, the ESPN football game before Madden took over, EA took over and basically ran everybody outside of town. There was an ESPN NFL game, and it was awesome. It had Terrell Owens, he was with the Eagles, on the cover. And in these games, you could basically build your team, do whatever you wanted to do, and they would have these sports centers in the game, built into the game, built into your dynasty. So you win a game, then you go watch the highlights, highlighted by Chris Berman. That kind of stuff, immersion, that's the stuff that gets me into games more than anything else. That's why I'm so hesitant I love golf games. Tiger Woods was so much fun. It was one of my favorite games to play. But I'm hesitant to buy the new golf game on PS4 because the My Career Mode, I don't think it has the immersive experience that I'm looking for. I think you nailed it on the immersive experience as it pertains to that because I, while I was, I played NCAA football a ton. That was my favorite oh, me too. game growing yeah. up as a kid. And even, I say as a kid, I mean, even through college as well, pretty much. I played that all during quarantine. So there you go, going back to uh, John Hardman's question. Play NCAA 14, bring the PS3 out, dust it off, do some dynasty, do some recruiting, but you're going to miss the immersion. I'm sorry, continue. Oh, you're good. I just, I played a lot of live on uh, NCAA when I had it, and so I didn't get a ton into the dynasty of the My Player mode. I did it a little bit, but I wasn't that hardcore into it. And now that the games are old and there's not new ones, I feel like that's more of the way to go about it because no one's playing live anymore. But just a general game critique, I would say maybe. Like, I don't even know how to properly word this, but in NCAA football games, there are always like three plays offensively in each version of the game that were just like stupidly unstoppable. And while it was kind of fun and funny at the same time, maybe make it a little more balanced because you don't really see that in Madden where there's just like one play in each iteration of the game that you just can't stop unless you do something funky like controlling, you know, 
a, you know, a lineman in the secondary or something like that. That's what always bothered me about the NCAA games. And I say that because it is my favorite game. But like maybe like you know, the glitches or loopholes or whatever, maybe tighten those up a little bit because there should not be one single play that's unstoppable. So that's my angry rant from experience. I would love in a game like that, assuming that one day, and it's going to happen one day, we get a college football game again. To be able to create a coach, create a player, it doesn't matter, but in this discussion, create a coach and go into a player's home to recruit and have to pitch to that player and to his family. That kind of stuff will be so much fun. Madden has absolutely no excuse for why it doesn't have the absolute best my player mode. Imagine all the things that they could do. Not just following some really hokey story where basically no matter what decision you make, it's still going to lead to the same end. You go to the combine. You participate in the combine. You do pre-draft visits. You go through the NFL draft. You walk the red carpet. All that stuff would be so much fun and should be so easy to do. But because EA and Madden are the only game in town, they don't really try anymore. I have not bought Madden. I will not buy it this year. I swore that I wouldn't because it's been the same game every year with a few minor tweaks for the last, what, five, six years? I'm done. So... Yeah, that's what I would do. We have talked way more about this than anything else. I'm sorry for all you old folks out there that don't care. Mailbag, it's ask us anything. No topic off limits. And if you get us ranting, apparently NCAA football, that triggers me a little bit. John Bond, at John Bond 76372672. That sounds like a Russian bot. John, fix your handle. Got to fix that, buddy. With everything going on in the U.S., what are you guys' thoughts about the recent Twitter dispute between the Oxford-based sports reporter and the Oxford police? I'll take this because <laughs> I know Ricky just doesn't want to do it. I mean, I'll, I'll offer a little bit. I just I didn't know where that question was going, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh. Yeah, that's where it went. I've known Fred pretty well. I wouldn't say we're friends or anything like that, but I've known him. I've seen him in media gatherings, basketball. Nothing but a good guy. I've enjoyed my conversations with him. Really good dude. Um, I find it unfortunate that this has played out the way it has. I don't want to in any way diminish what his experience was. Having said that, I can only look at it from the vantage point of all the information that we as a public have. And having that information... I see it completely different. Now, I think that it could have been handled better by a number of different places. I completely understand why the mayor came out and defended the police department. The whole situation is unfortunate. And it kind of speaks more to the environment that we live in, doesn't it? That social media has made everything worse. Everything. Our social discourse, how we treat each other. We can't contextualize anything anymore. It's given everybody a voice and that voice is amplified in many respects, not just with Fred, with anybody, now the accused, you are guilty until proven innocent. You've seen this to where crucified in the court of public opinion before the facts actually come out. And some will say that's cancel culture. That cancel culture that so many people ream about, that's on both sides of this thing. Just where you have somebody saying, oh, fire him. You have another one saying, boycott this place because they do this. I think it's unfortunate. I think it speaks to the larger problems we have with social media in this country and how it's been so corrosive for our social discourse and it sucks i like fred robin's been cool with me the oxford pd's been cool with me i don't want to speak to his experience so much as say from the information we have 
I have. I've seen it. I, I watched the video. I didn't see that. And let's leave it there. Brody Clayton at Brody Allen. Looks like Corral is winning the quarterback battle. Oh, just straight up calling it. Any chance you guys see Plumley transferring at all? We'll get right back to Brian Scott Rippey in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. I'm not throwing anything off the table. I'm not going to say no. Now, he's at a place that's allowing him to play both baseball and football. And I'm not saying that's the only place I would allow him, but he is at Ole Miss instead of Georgia for a reason. And it was primarily because he wanted to play quarterback. Um, So I don't know. I just this goes back to my theory that I think I touched on this podcast last week. I'm not making any calls. But let's just say if Matt Corral is able to win this quarterback job. Obviously, John Rice Plumley has been very adamant about his desire to play quarterback and his desire to play baseball as well. I just wonder if time spent on the bench, if they get three games in and Corral's crushing it and, you know, Plumley's tired of holding a clipboard, if he's like, okay, I'm really fast. I would like to play. I would like to do something else other than play quarterback because I'm tired of standing on the sideline. Now, the reason I bring that up is that not his question i feel like the alternative to that if that's in turn not what he decides then i think really the only other option is for him to transfer right because he's not going to stay here for three more years or however long corral stays to sit so 
Sure. I think there's definitely a decent chance of that. I think it ends up coming down to it. And again, this is the preconceived notion that Corral has won the job. I'm not saying he's going to, but if that is the case, I think it comes down to either he transfers or he finds some other way to get on the field. Cause I just don't see that kid being a dual sport athlete wanting to sit idle on the bench during football season. Hey, I'm on record already on this podcast saying, look, Whoever doesn't win the quarterback battle, I believe, will ultimately transfer. I don't think both of these quarterbacks will be on the roster next year. One of the two is going to transfer. Having said that, first of all, the quarterback battle is far from settled. Let's not pretend like Matt Corral has just won this job. He hasn't. That hasn't been decided. Is he ahead right now? As far as we know. But here's the thing. We're just speculating because we had not seen it. We can only go by numbers and the very little that Lane Kiffin says. And there's been more pub for Matt Corral than John Rice Plumley, But just because, let's say Matt Corral starts on September 26th, which I'm not saying that, but just for the sake of argument, he starts on September 26th. There's no guarantee he's starting in mid-October. He's got to go out there and perform. And it's not like just because he wins the quarterback battle that John Rice Plumley, a talent that most certainly anyone would argue is among the best on this team, they're not just going to let that kid sit on the bench. They're going to find a role for him anyway. There's a lot of assuming there that I think is a little bit dangerous at this point. Do I think there's a chance he could transfer? Yeah, but you brought this up. If he wants to play both sports, where else is he going to get that opportunity? So there could come a time that if Matt Corral were to win it, anywhere to perform well, I know I could play both sports here. There's no guarantee anywhere else. Maybe I could try running back. Maybe I could try wide receiver, slot receiver. Of course, that's a possibility. I think a lot of options... Every option is still out there for John Rice Plumley. Let's stop pretending like Matt Crow has this in the back. He doesn't. We don't see him. We haven't been out to practice. We're going completely on the very little we know. We have to take the words of every player and coach that we talk to. And let me give you a little bit of inside baseball here. They don't say a lot. It doesn't matter how you phrase a question. They ain't saying much. So let's just pop the brakes a little bit. A little bit. Before we go crown in Matt Corral as a starting quarterback. Blue Cod, comma, hard-nosed at hard-nosed 15. What are your bold predictions for the football season? Two bold ones and one ridiculous one. Ole Miss has seven touchdowns accounted for by tight ends. There's one. That's bold. That definitely counts as bold. Yeah, that does that does count as bold. I might lower that to five. I reserve the right to lower that to five. They have seven touchdowns accounted for by tight ends. My second bold prediction is what we have 10 games this year, so I'm going to have to amend these numbers a little bit. Jerry on Ely goes for 1,900 all-purpose yards. 1,900? That's about right. I like that. Yeah, 150 a game on the ground. Yeah, 1,900. Hell, I'll push you to 2,000 if you really want to. That's 150 a game on the ground, plus whatever else he's used in. So you could definitely see that sore north of that. But I feel like that's in the territory of still being bold. One ridiculous one, Matt Corral wins the starting quarterback job. After the third game, uh, John Rice Palmy comes in. He electrifies people with his feet. The offense gets better, but only marginally better. And then by game nine, they bring out Rich Rodriguez to do the honorary coin toss because it's deja vu. Is that fair? Uh, all right, my two bold predictions. Number one, that John Rice Plumley will start more games at quarterback than Matt Corral. Ooh. Number two, 
the team leader in interceptions will not be a defensive back. That's a good one. Linebacker? Yeah. Like Lakia like Henry that. gets four interceptions or something stupid. It's got to be bold. Ridiculous. Ole Miss beats LSU and beats the brakes off LSU. Beats him by 20. Okay. I mean, I'm just trying to piss some friends off with that one. There you go. There you go. Jamar Chase, he opted out of the season. That's inarguably one of the best wide receivers in all of college football, if not the best. A first-round pick. LSU, not looking so hot. Ole Miss gets a little bit of momentum. I don't know. I'm just saying. It could happen. You're asking me for ridiculous. Ole Miss beats the brakes off of LSU. That's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. Okay, moving on. Blue card, comma, hard-nosed. That hard-nosed 15. If you're the head coach of Ole Miss football, who are some assistants you would definitely want to bring on with you? Oh, man. Uh, I'd have Brendan Chapman run social media. <laughs> I'd have Brendan run in my recruiting office. <laughs> uh, that, uh, that, too. I just assumed that was on top of his recruiting job because um, he's entertaining. But I don't know. I mean, if you I mean, Brent Venerables would probably be your defensive coordinator. You just took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say, if you're taking your pick of any coordinator in the country, it's Brent Venables and who on the other side? Oh, Will Hall. Really? Okay. Come so on, that's a good joke. Good. That's a good Ole Miss troll. I think Will Hall is going to be a great offensive coordinator. I think that's who Matt Luke wanted to hire, felt some pressure to hire Rich Rodriguez. Will Hall would have been great. I was trolling. Offensive coordinator, if I'm getting my pick of him. The problem is the most prolific offenses, for the most part, are now run by the head coach, right? Yeah, like, like Lincoln not, not... Riley is the best offensive exactly. coordinator in football. Who is an OC you'd want? Hugh Freeze. Oh, uh, was weird. Literally, this whole question has been a, just a complete, like, yeah. mind train. Yeah. You went to Brent Venables. You went to Will Hall, which I was not necessarily going there. You went to Lincoln Riley, and then I was about to throw out Hugh Freeze. I'm just saying. Maybe that's because I have a very limited uh, knowledge of assistance across the country. I got a quick good sidebar for you. So I'm in a fantasy football draft with one of my college friends and our with a bunch of my college friends and our commissioner sitting in the group or whatever last night that he has something brewing for us. And we just thought he meant rule changes or whatever. I get a video at noon today as I'm eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich on a lunch break. And guess who is announcing my draft order via cameo? No. Reverend Hugh Freeze? No. I have seen this, by the way. It drives me nuts. You have all these coaches making millions, bitching about the potential for players to make some money off their name, image, and likeness. And all of them are on cameo. All of them. Dabo's on cameo. That raging hypocrite. He's on cameo. Are you kidding me? You can't be that guy. You can't say players are bad if they make money off their name, image, and likeness and then turn around and be on Cameo making money off of your name, image, and likeness. That is ridiculous. That is absurd. And there's so many coaches, so many, on Cameo. No matter yeah, what Yeah, and he do. called me Scott, which is better than <laughs> what he called me the first nine months I had this job. But So small victories. He said with the seventh pick, we have Scott. <sighs> Scott. Appreciate that, Pastor Hugh. Kenneth Collins at RebelFan68. In the way of Air Force, Army, and Navy, 
Will the Space Force Academy eventually have a college football team? It sure as hell better. Yeah, I mean, and then you have to hire Phil Longo, right? And or Mike Lee. Yeah, like, yeah. You can't be. You can't ground and pound at the Space Academy. Can you imagine how absolutely boss those uniforms would be? Kind of a silver grayish helmet with that logo and a blue jersey with gray pants. The problem is, where are you going to play? And the who moon. the the moon? Oh God! Oh God! The mascot's obviously an astronaut. Obviously. I was going to say alien, but sure. Oh, dang, that's better. That Man. green head. Jeez. Kenneth Collins at RebelFan68. Staying optimistic here by the end of the season. Who leads the team in touchdown passes, tackles, and sacks? Lakia Henry, Tarikas Tisdale, and Matt Corral. That's really conservative. I didn't really go out on any limbs. Touchdown passes, Matt Corral. Tackles, I mean, I'm with you, Lakia Henry. And then sacks, this is where we differ. Brandon Mack. Why not? Why not a breakout for Brandon Mack? Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. And then, like, you could go a linebacker, too. Like, would it stun you if Jacquez Jones was super effective on the outside and got a bunch of sacks? Oh, no, 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 no. I actually expect that to actually generate more pressure from the linebackers than anywhere else. Kyle Varell, at Kyle Varell, my buddy from New Albany. How mad are you going to be at the end of today? We're recording on Monday. Because the Braves don't do what you want them to do. Oh, my God. So the Braves did nothing, nothing on this Monday. Trade deadline day. Absolutely nothing. Stood pat when they have one viable starting pitcher in Max Freed. I was absolutely despondent. I've been angry about the Braves before. Probably as angry as I've been today. But today it felt different because today... It laid bare what I already knew, that the Braves are nothing more than a real estate company that wants to be profitable and just good enough, win just enough to make a lot of money, but never really go for it when it's time to go for it. Their offense is bordering on elite. They've got one of the very best bullpens in baseball. One starter, one. It didn't have to be Mike Clevenger. You could have beat the Padres for what they gave for Mike Clevenger. That return for the Indians was quantity over quality. The Braves had quality, and they still couldn't get it done. It's the same thing, be it in free agency, trade deadline. Alex Anthropolis comes out and says, well, it didn't, or the ask was more than we felt comfortable going to. Screw that, man. You have Ozzy Alves, Ronald Acuna, signed to long-term extensions on very, very discounted rates. Mike Soroka on the cheap. Austin Riley, who's really playing well lately, on the cheap. If not now, when? Freddie Freeman in his prime. If you were going to go for it, now. Now is the time. This would be the time to do it. So I was despondent. And I'm going to be honest with you. A part of my Brace fandom died today. It did. You might say, Ben, that's dramatic. But it's true. They have not won a playoff series since 2001. I can't do it anymore. Not one pitcher. You couldn't have gone and gotten... Alex Wood from the Dodgers, they have a surplus of pitchers for nothing? I just, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. John Caleb Wilson. That's an amazing stat you just threw Yeah, out. it's brutal. Everyone talks about curses and all these teams that have been tortured franchises and haven't won in the playoffs. The Braves are a tortured franchise. And if you're a fan of this team, you've seen them good enough to win division titles, but not at a place where it's front office 
led by supposedly a go-after-it general manager in Alex Anthropolis, but they don't ever go for it. They never go get it. If not now, with Freddie in his when? prime, all this young talent locked up, on the cheap, if not now, in this window, when? Never. And that's why I came to the realization it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. Because all the Braves want to do is win just enough to be profitable, super-duper profitable, to rake in profits. And I know this year they're losing money, but they made money hand over fist last year. Go look at it. Go look at the revenues. Set records. And it did nothing in free agency. Yes, they signed Marcelo Zuna to a one-year deal. That's all they do. They want no long-term risk. And all AA has done in three years as general manager is hoard prospects. And these prospects like Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson, Tuki Toussaint, they've come up, they haven't performed to the level they hoped they would perform, so they've lost value. Now you can't really trade them. You hold on to them for too long. Prospects are prospects. When your program, not your program, this isn't college, when your organization is at a place where you have a real chance to go win the World Series, because flags, they fly forever, prospects should then be used to supplement the Major League roster and go for it like the Padres did on Monday. And the Padres did it, and this is what's so devastating, they did it, without giving up their top three prospects in eight of their top ten. And that's the best farm system by far in Major League Baseball. You cannot tell me, Alex Anthropolis, that there weren't deals to be made. Joe Musgrave from the Pirates. Alex Wood. Tywin Walker. Robbie Ray. Mike Miner for two players to be named later. You tell me right now that you're more comfortable with Josh Tomlin, Robbie Erling, starting in your rotation over guys like that. Or you say, okay, we love our prospects. Well, if you love them so much, why are you starting Ender Enciarte over Christian Pache or Drew Waters? If you love them so much, why are you starting Josh Tomlin in your rotation over Kyle Wright, over Bryce Wilson, over Sean Newcomb? It doesn't make sense. It's all a lie. It's a lie that you tell your fan base because you don't want to admit the true thing, which is you're a real estate company, that just wants to win enough to make a lot of money. John Caleb Wilson at John Caleb Wilson. How's Corral doing from what you're hearing? How long will it take the offense to gel? Good. I don't know how long. It's just not a, like, with respect to the two questions, there's just really not a lot you can discern from the level of access that we have, right? I mean, sounds like he's playing pretty well from the stats from a scrimmage. To your point earlier, like the, if you really boil it down to its core in terms of the way the quarterback narrative has quote-unquote shifted in the last week and a half, you're basically boiling it down to one quote and some scrimmage stats. So, like, I guess he's playing well in terms of the offense to gel. Hell, I don't know. It may take a year. Yeah, it's a good point. Like I said, it's speculation at this point. All we can go on is the limited information that we get, and that is that Matt Corral is leading this quarterback battle, as far as we know, from the very few words that Lane Kiffin has spoken about. He's never said Matt Corral is leading this quarterback battle. He's just praised him many times about how well he did passing the ball in scrimmages. But here's the thing. Is passing, and passing only, what Lane Kiffin puts all his stock into, or does 240 all-purpose yards on Saturday, or in the last scrimmage, whatever that was, from John Rice Plumley, as important, if not more important? We don't know what Lane Kiffin holds into in highest regard. We're just assuming. So we don't know. But apparently Matt Corral's doing well. How long will it take the offense to gel? That's anyone's guess. You gotta remember, while yes, 
They have key returners at wide receiver, quarterback, running back, that offensive line, some new pieces. The interior is going to be a work in progress. But I think you have a really good starting place with Ben Brown, Royce Newman, and Nick Broker. Blue-collared, comma, hard-nosed, that hard-nosed 15. Could you see Plumlee fit into a Percy Harvin role if he was willing, or do you see completely different skill sets? No, I could see that. I could see that. I could buy him as Percy Harvin. Going to get right back to Brian Scott Rippey in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you about Mosquito Marshals, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have first-hand experience. Mosquito Marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshalls online at mosquitomarshalls.com. Mosquito Marshalls, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshalls. Oh, I buy that 100%, but he just hit the nail on the head in terms of like whether that happens, if willing. Yeah, if he's willing. Because he can carry the ball, he can catch the ball. I don't know. I've never seen John Rice Plumley catch a ball. We're all assuming that he could be a wide receiver. Do we even know he could catch the ball? We don't know that. I would bet yes. Yeah, probably. But to your, to your point, we don't know, but I would bet yes. He's a good enough athlete. My question is, how effective would he be? With the ball in his hands, running the ball like Percy did, splitting out wide, then coming into the backfield and running, there is no doubt. John Rice Plumley could easily do that and do it well. But here's the thing. You do that with John Rice Plumley. You're taking carries away, not only from Jerry Ely, but from Snoop Connor too. And apparently, Henry Parrish, who they like a lot. True freshman. It's hard. There's only one football, so it's hard to divvy up the carries in a way that satisfies everybody. But of course, that's a good problem to have. Too many weapons, that's a good problem to have. Kenneth Collins at Fan 68 Why does Coach personally fitting with school identity matter so much for success? Does it? Um... I mean, I just do that's such a subjective question. Like, which, what are you talking about? Because, like, is there evidence of, like, coaches not lasting long-term because they didn't really gel with the town? I would say yes, because a lot of these schools are in small college towns. Now, personality in terms of football program, I think it's a little overrated. I think all good coaches make their program and, and mold the personality of their program into the image of their personality. But I kind of see where he's coming from. I don't really know if I understand the question, to be honest with you. I don't think Me neither, it matters. but I gave it a try. I don't think it matters the personality of a coach. If a coach is good, that program will fit itself around whatever the personality is. If a coach is good, he's good, period. doesn't matter. Nicholas Puckett at Puckett114. If you could play a round of golf with any athlete or coach from any sport, professional or college, who would you choose? Is wrestling a sport... Sure, for the sake of this argument. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay. I would go, honestly, this is a boring answer, but just to say you played with Tiger Woods would be pretty badass. Yeah, 
Especially if you could get them talking. 100%. Yeah, Stone Cold. That's the answer. A lot of beers will be drunk. A lot of them. J.A. Berry 5 at J.A. Berry 5. If Ole Miss landed the two Mississippi State players that transferred to Florida State, how much of a defensive impact could there have been? Huge. Right now, the secondary is short on numbers. Apparently, again, we don't get to see them. But COVID issues, injury issues, Jerry and Jones is going to start. He's going to start. At safety, corner, didn't matter. He was going to start. Fabian Lovett, on that defensive line, he was going to start. So how big of an impact? That's two starters. And it should have been a slam dunk. It should have been easily done. Both of those players wanted to come to Ole Miss. It was done. It was over. And then what happened? Ole Miss, Ole Miss itself. That's the best I can say. Dave, at Gunboat Dave, can you make the case for a couple of Matthew Morrell equivalents for football? that are currently in high school, i.e. long-term program impact? Huh. I mean, not currently in high school. Who's there to choose from? What is he asking? He, I think he's asking, like, who on the commitment list currently is going to make a long-term impact, but that's an impossible question. The game oh, Deshaun Ruffin. Smoke. Oh, Deshaun Ruffin. I mean, that kid's going to start from day one. But is he talking about football? Oh, football. Uh, I have no idea. I don't know how you equate Matthew Morrell with football prospects. I, I don't know. I really don't know how to answer that. I have never had a mailbag question in the many, many mailbags we've done. And we've been doing these for years. I have never had a question that I just, honest to God, couldn't bullshit my way through. I have no idea. I'm flabbergasted. It's Mr. happened. accomplished gunboat, Dave. Yeah, congrats. You've shut me up. Tyler Lair at Lair Tyler. I'm going to guess the top three targets for Corral and Plumley are more... Yaboa and Mingo. Who are your picks, and how many yards do you think they will get receiving? I think he's I right know. on with the top three. I think he is too, but just for the sake of like being different, I'll go Yaboa, Moore, and Braylon Sanders. Because why not? Yeah, okay. I like his top three. I think those work. I think who's going to lead them in receiving yards is obviously Elijah Moore. They're going to force feed him. I don't know if he goes over 1,000. But I certainly think that the disparity that you saw last year is not going to be like that this year. It's going to be far better, more well-distributed amongst the receivers. And if you go by a bold prediction from Brian Scott Rippey, Kenny Yaboa is apparently going to get seven touchdown catches. <laughs> That's going to happen. Hey, Chase Rogers can chip in too. I said tight ends. Okay, you heard it there. What could their numbers be? Yard-wise, I think, what is successful for Elijah Moore? Does it have to be 800-plus? Is oh, 700. Man. Like, oh, you were low-balling him. Okay, then what's successful for him, then? What's success? What constitutes as a successful year? I think success is 1,000, but if you want to talk about, like, in his mind, particularly building off last year, didn't 11, 12, I guess you're 10 fewer games. I'll go 900. Yeah, we're actually thinking about this all wrong because when we're totaling up these numbers, we're assuming 12 games, and that's not going to happen. It's 10 games. It's 10 yeah, games. Yeah, two fewer games, 900 yards. So if he has 1,000 yards, what, he's going to go 100 yards every single game? No. No. So is 650 in a 10-game season success for Elijah Moore? Yes, but can you make the argument they're going to need more? Not if it's more evenly distributed. That averages out to 65 yards a game. And Jonathan Mingo, you would hope he'd be more involved than he was last year. Last year was just, that was disgraceful. 
But yeah, I mean, it's hard. Man, it's hard to put a number total on that. We'll come back to that one too. Ty at a true rebel ninety nine. Did you watch the Central Arkansas Austin Pay game? No, I did not. But it, I mean, I watched bits and pieces like afterwards the next day because I was curious as to what it looked like. I was actually busy like moving stuff in and out of my apartment, so it wasn't like a oh, I'm not interested thing. If I had nothing to do, I'd honestly probably flip that on between that and the NBA playoffs. I'm gonna be honest with you, I had no interest in watching it. I'm football hungry, but not that football hungry. To me, it was just more. It's, it wasn't necessarily to quench my football hunger if I'd wanted to. It's more the novelty aspect of okay, what does a football game look like in a pandemic? Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. College football is especially where I lost my hunger. Now, NFL games, I can watch pretty much every single one of them. But once you're in this, it's a little different for us than it is for them, is what I'm saying. Because we live in it. 100%. We work in it. So, for me, I don't know. I'm just not all that interested. Ryan Wiggins at RZ Wig. What are these five demands the football team are saying they want? That's a great question. I've been trying to find that out. I'm not just trying to dodge the question. Seriously, I talked about it with a number of people on Monday. And I haven't been able to really nail down the five demands. But you're on to something there. Ty, at a true rebel underscore 99. Does Grant Tisdale transfer if and when he inevitably loses the quarterback one battle? I don't think so. And the reason why I don't think so is because if one of Matt Crowell and John Rice Plumley leaves after this year, assuming that one takes the reins of the quarterback job and runs with it, Grant Tisdale has a better path to start at some point at Ole Miss than he does anywhere else if he transfers. Again, when he entered the portal... He was met with a very cold, a very frozen market for him. I mean, Grant Tisdale could be a one-year starter at Ole Miss. There's no doubt in my mind, especially if one of these other guys leave. I agree. I tend to fall into your line of thinking, and it almost seems ironic in terms of like this time last year. But yeah, if there's a guy that, that has the ability and like would be smart to just kind of bide his time and see how this plays out over the next 18 months to two years, it is Grant Tisdale. So I agree. All right, Cole Woods at Cole Miss 22. What is J.D. McCoy? Hashtag Shea Patterson doing now after he got cut by the Chiefs. Probably what you and I are doing. Just chilling. Doing nothing. Checking Facebook. I wish Shea would have worked out. I really do. I have no hard feelings towards Shea. I don't. The only thing that he did wrong was when he left trying to take other players with him. Actively recruiting other players. That's where he screwed up. That's where he had Ole Miss people turn against him. It wasn't his fault. His dad sucked. His older brother sucked. Shea was fine. Shea was a good kid. <laughs> That's an accurate way to describe that, but it was just so succinct. It's just, this guy sucked, this guy sucked, this kid didn't. Yeah. We've covered Shea so much, man. <laughs> At this point, there's nothing much more to say. At Gunboat Day, will the defense finally be able to get off the field on third down and longs this year? God, you hope so, right? Sure. I think they're better equipped, too. I'm telling you, the difference in coaching will play into that. I like Mike McIntyre. I think Mike McIntyre is a good defense coordinator. I don't think those third and longs were necessarily his fault. Now, DJ Durkin, he doesn't have as much to work with as Mike McIntyre did as far as the defensive line is concerned. But I think Mike McIntyre, let me put it this way, he really simplified a lot last year. I think Ole Miss was running a lot of base stuff last year. I think DJ Durkin is going to be stubborn to multiplicity. As in, DJ Durkin regardless of blown, blown assignments. And see, that's the thing. Ole Miss defensively last year was risk-averse. They just didn't want any of those busts, none of them. I think DJ Durkin is going to be a risk-taker. I think he's going to call his defense as if he had the monsters of the midway. And if busts happen, they happen. You live with them because your offense is going to be, at least in theory, explosive. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I think you're dead on, particularly with the McIntyre thing. And it, it, it's probably some out of necessity, but McIntyre's whole MO is doing a lot with a little. And you would presume when you're not that talented, you simplify things. So Mac McIntyre did a successful job of doing exactly what he does. To whereas I agree, I think Durkin will be stubborn to multiplicity. To multiplicity. That's a, uh, I think that's a really good line. I think both, like their success will for different reasons, but each reason exactly what you described. Like Mike McIntyre is exactly what Ole Miss needed last year. Now, Durkin right the ship. Ability. He was there to right the ship, bring normalcy back to defense. Make them look competent 100%. again. Yeah. Because Wesley McGriff was the definition of incompetence. No that was horrible. He, he was horrible. No offense. You can't say no offense. <laughs> I mean, like, no like, no offense, but, like, come on, man. Like, that, you pop in tape of that 17 and 18 defense. I mean, other than saying I mean, think about this. Think about this. What did you do? Think about this. You know, Wesley McGriff, he stunk like a butt. No offense. I mean, the towel, okay, 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 yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have said no offense. I should have said every offense possible. But yeah. my overall point was the talent that Mike McIntyre had, maybe a little better, was not night and day different. And that defense, whether you want to engage them off complete results or not, was night and day different in terms of how they looked. Right. He was all about bringing competency back to Ole Miss defensively. I think DJ Durkin is here to take chances. I think Lane Kiffin's entire career at Ole Miss will be about taking chances, which is a complete departure from Matt Luke. Matt Luke, he wasn't taking there, chances. <laughs> there will be uh there will be no uh kicking a field goal <laughs> to, to go into overtime in a oh. fourth field stadium against Vanderbilt when oh. you have a bowl band. You have a bowl band by a sub- subjective rule in the end zone. You have a bowl band. I mean, you're playing for <laughs> it's hard to do. All that's there for you is winning the games that are on your schedule. Nothing else is coming after this. Why not? Uh, oh, God. Martin Crotz, my buddy Martin, at Crotz Martin. Salute your shorts or hey, dude. Do you know either of those shows? I was about to ask what those were. Is that shows? I was going to guess a shorts yeah. company because they didn't say salute the no. shorts. Okay, so salute your shorts. A lot of people listening to this are yelling right now because you don't know this. Salute your shorts and hey, dude are two classic Nickelodeon kids shows from way back in the day. All right. I can recite the Hey Dude and Salute Your Shorts theme songs by heart. Hey Dude was a banger. Salute Your Shorts had a banger too, but Hey Dude was the ultimate banger. But as far as shows go, it's Salute Your Shorts. Crawford Pay at C Pay Pay. I like Nickelodeon though. I will say that. I would actually equip myself some. I was an early 2000s Nickelodeon kid, so that the, the Hey Arnold Rugrats. It sounds like this was just a generation, slight generation well, yeah. above yeah. me. But see, I love Hey Arnold. I watched Hey Arnold. Here's my question. Okay, did you watch Rocco's Modern Life? Uh, I did a little bit. That was not one of my favorites. I'm going to throw out one that was my all-time favorite that you can still find episodes on YouTube. You can draw your own conclusions as to how I know that. Rocket Power. See, Rocket Power came along as I was aging out of Nickelodeon. I never got into it. Yeah, like that and the Wild Thornberries. That was never my jam. This was my stuff. Salute your shorts. Hey, dude. Hey, Arnold. Uh, Rugrats, that's generational. I mean, that's everybody watches Rugrats. Uh, Rocco's Modern Life, Ah Real Monsters, Cat Dog, a little bit, Angry Beavers, Angry Beavers. Now that you say Angry Beavers out loud, I'm sorry. Doug, what are you, Doug? Oh my God, I actually bought a Doug, Doug. figurine. It's like, well, it's not a figurine. It's like a Doug stuffed animal kind of deal, and I bought it on eBay for like thirty five dollars, and I was gonna give it to my twin brother because we love Doug. And instead, I gave it to my youngest, Riley. And yeah, she's been a uh, a huge Doug fan now. 
She loves Doug. We have a buddy with a concrete nickname, like honestly to the point where people forget his real name, uh, named Skeeter, because he looks like Skeeter. See, this is what happens in a mailbag. Sorry for all the old folks. Again, went on a tangent about video games, NCAA Football 14, and here we are, Nickelodeon shows. I'm sorry, this is what happens, but I enjoy it, okay? Mailbag, we get to talk about things that I'm interested in. Nickelodeon shows, I could talk for days. Crawford Pay, at Pay. If Plumley switched positions, would it look sort of like Randall Mackey in 2012? Maybe like Randall Mackey 2.0. The Randall Mackey game that sticks out was that year they were so bad and Petrino had a really good Arkansas team and they almost won that game. I think it was the what no 49-10 Neal game. But uh, Mackey was awesome. So, okay, th- this reminds me of a story. So you know how we were talking about Raymond Cotton last week? Or no, me and Colin were, so we subbed in for you. Oh, God, I made a joke Raymond, Raymond Cotton. Cotton. I made a joke that Raymond Cotton was still playing college football in 2020. I had a listener DM me. And uh, forgetting your name at the moment, I apologize. That said, he was a freshman at Mississippi College on the football team. Raymond Cotton, I think, was his senior year, was still suiting up for uh, Mississippi College as a senior in the year 2015 and had a leg injury and then just what? disappeared. And he never showed back up and no one ever saw him again. I would love, love to have Raymond Cotton on this podcast. Same here. I'd like to talk about his nine year career. If anybody has any information about the whereabouts of Raymond Cotton, God, I would love to have him on this podcast. Dave at Gunboat Dave. Projection of snaps percentage between Corral and JRP for the season. 75-25 in favor of Corral. Oh, wow. Well, here's the thing. In one of my bold predictions, I said that John Rice Plumley would start more games than Matt Corral, so I'm going to have to switch that up. 64% for John Rice Plumley, 46% for Matt Corral. Matt Corral gets the stars to start the season. Something happens. Maybe he's not good enough. Maybe he gets hurt. John Rice Plumley comes in and does his thing. There you go. J.A. Berry 5. At J.A. Berry 5. Is there a chance Eli Johnson comes back? No. Bradley Spencer at Rabbit2588. How likely is it that we land the five-star power forward? And if we do, does he reclassify to 2021? He's talking about Brandon Huntley Hatfield. I'd say right now, 65%. He's a long ways away from a decision. But Ole Miss has been there since the beginning the second school to offer him, they basically said, you got the keys to the program, man. And um, it's resonated with him. The last four crystal balls on 247 have been put in for Ole Miss. One of them, Jerry Meyer. He's the scouting director at 247. He put it in for Ole Miss. Now, the confidence level is a six, so it's not all that strong. But right now, the momentum is for Ole Miss. If that continues, obviously, he's going to end up being a rebel. So I think a very good chance. I don't think there's a good chance that he reclassifies to 2021. I think that that's the hope, but I don't think the kid actually wants to do it. So, we'll see. Kyle Varel, A.J. Brown thoughts. Here's one for you to end it. He can do whatever he wants, man. He gave his time to Ole Miss. He stayed when he could have left. Grown man. He can do what he wants to do. That's my thoughts on it. You don't have to agree with it, but that's America, man. He put in his time at Ole Miss. Yes, he could help recruit it. He doesn't owe that to you. He doesn't owe that to Ole Miss. I know people try to use that argument. Well, it hurts recruiting. None of that stuff matters. Ole Miss is still going to point to A.J. Brown when it's recruiting wide receivers. Just because he doesn't have Ole Miss on his profile on Twitter doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. He's a grown man. He can do what he wants to do. I disagree with the premise that Ole Miss teaches the KKK and all of his, like in classes or something. That puts off the appearance that Ole Miss is like teaching – Southern pride ideology and indoctrinating 
its students into some type of Confederate promise or something. I don't know. That's not true. I mean, every history class teaches about the KKK, but Ole Miss is not in any way glorifying the KKK in history classes or anything like that. That's just not true. It's simply not true. I've been in those classes. I went to Ole Miss. Rippy went to Ole Miss. It's just not true. Actually, if you look at Ole Miss and the actions it's taken, it's done everything conceivable within its power to distance itself from all of that Southern pride imagery, all of it. So I don't agree with the premise. I don't agree with what he's saying, but he's an adult. He can do whatever the hell he wants to do. Yeah, and the only, I think you're dead on. The only thing I'll add to that is, yeah, one, and then this whole argument about how the cops protected the KKK doesn't really add up because anytime, whether you like the protest group or not, the cops stand around just to make sure a situation does not escalate. They're not there to protect the protest. That's, that yeah, that's bull. That's bull. Yeah, they're they're there to make sure that the situation does not escalate. As someone who has covered a protest where the KKK showed up, the cops are not there to stand around the weird-looking dudes waving Confederate flags. They're there to de-escalate the situation. Here's the thing. That being- Here's the thing. This is America, okay? You have a First Amendment right to peacefully protest. So the police are there to make sure that rioting doesn't happen, that counter-protesters that oppose that, and just as many, if not more, came out to counter-protest those Klan members that marched. But they have a constitutionally protected right to march. And the thing is, I talked to so many Ole Miss administrators, decision-makers, when this was happening. They didn't want these people on campus. And here's the thing, too. The leader of that protest was a self-professed Mississippi State fan. So let's stop pretending like the police were doing something to protect the KKK because Ole Miss is all about Southern pride. Now, that's bullshit. It's not true. They're actually, the police yeah. were there to make sure that nothing, no fights broke out, no violence broke out between protesters and counter-protesters, which are both constitutionally protected. They're allowed to do it. You don't have to agree with them. I can say what you're doing is just absolutely asinine and terrible. You're a horrible human being. But if you're a constitutionalist, if you're an American, you fight for that right. Just as it was the right of our players to go march to the square. I hate it. It's awful, but it's the same right for those clans members to march. They suck. No one wants them in Oxford. No one wants them at Ole Miss. And the police were there to make sure that no violence broke out. But Ole Miss was not defending them. The Oxford Police Department was not protecting them. They are protecting everyone, the community, because that's what they're there for. I'm tired of Ole Miss being painted as this place of... of Southern Confederate pride and where you can come to live your Confederate dreams. That's just not true. And it's an old, tired narrative. I'm sick of hearing it. It's lazy. And if it comes from AJ, if it comes from anybody, there needs to be a pushback that it's not what the way Ole Miss is. Come experience for yourself. AJ had nothing bad. Here's the thing. If AJ really believed that, he had every opportunity and every excuse to leave and decided to stay because he loved Ole Miss. But I can't speak from him for his experience. That's the thing. I'm not going to put myself in his shoes. A.J. Brown is a black man in America. I am a white man in America that comes from a really privileged background. That's just the truth, okay? So I can't speak to his experience. But what I can speak to is my experience at Ole Miss. And my experience at Ole Miss is, and I've seen it because I've gone to school here. I've covered this school for going on 10, 11 years now, 12 years. I can't even remember at this point. All I know is Ole Miss has done everything in its power to distance itself from all that nonsense and for anybody to falsely paint Ole Miss as a school that supports that stuff, it's not only patently unfair, it's flat out not true.
Yeah, and the only other thing I'll add to that is that my second part of that was, one, incredibly emotional time in America, and two, I just don't think some tweet on a random day in August five years from now is going to do anything to interrupt going the relationship Going back to what we were AJ talking Brown about, man, this. social media, it's a disaster. A.J. Brown put it in his time at Ole Miss. He gave everything to Ole Miss. He owes Ole Miss nothing as a grown man. Nothing. So what do I think about A.J.? Do what you want, man. But I can call you out and say that's bull when it's bull. It is bull. But I will fight to the death for your right to say it. This has been Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit Bill on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey on Twitter. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, just make sure it's a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. We'll be back on Thursday. I think the guest is going to be Bradley Sow, a good friend of the program. Not sure, but that's the plan. Thanks, Rippey. See you then, man. See you, dude. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.